Genesis chapter 15, and you may follow along in the Bibles on your chair pockets on page 11. Genesis chapter 15, commencing at verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land, to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for four hundred years your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Anamorites has not reached, not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set, and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. So David's preaching at Griffith this morning. So um, we feel blessed for them. And we might pray for David and for our brothers and sisters at Griffith. David's got a, um, as well as his role here at Wagabaps, he's also got a regional role. So um, let's commit him to the Lord and ourselves as we come to God's word this morning. Just want to thank you, Lord, for 
blessing us with um, such a wonderful pastor, David. And we thank you that he can be a blessing to our brothers and sisters at Griffith this morning. Lord, may they truly be blessed and, and uplifted in their faith in you. Lord, we pray for our region, uh, the Riverina. We pray for your people, that you would breathe new life into your church. Lord, that we would see great growth, that we would see people coming into your kingdom and your church growing in holiness and in uh, effectiveness in doing good works for you. Father, we commit ourselves to you as we come to your word. We ask that your word would do a very deep and lasting work in us this morning. We're looking to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the chapter that Lois just read for you is a famous chapter. Paul refers to it. When we were going through Romans, you might remember that Paul applied it to the church at Rome that had Jewish and non-Jewish believers in it. And he used that verse where it says... Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. And he said, this is how you become right with God. You believe in Jesus. It's through faith, through faith that we become righteous, not through obedience to the law. So it's a famous chapter about Abraham as a man of faith. But if you take a bit of time and read the whole chapter, you'll find that Abraham's not only a man of faith, but he's also a man of doubt. And this chapter is just as much about the doubts of Abraham as it is about his faith. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the doubts of Abraham because I reckon I'm not guessing too much to say that most of us here would consider ourselves people of faith But we are also people who struggle at times with doubt. And we could use the Lord's help with that. So there's help here for us. So, the chapter begins after this. Two small words, after this. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, do not be afraid. So Abraham's afraid after this. After what? Let's press the rewind button and have a look at what's happening over the previous couple of chapters. So in Genesis 12, this is the first instance of the Lord speaking to Abraham. He says, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The fact that we know Jesus today, that we have the, the opportunity to take hold of what he has done for us through the cross and through his resurrection, that we could have forgiveness, the presence of the Spirit and the hope of eternal life. This is all because... We have inherited, as people of faith, the blessings that were promised to Abraham all the way back then. We are enjoying those blessings right now. 
God says, I will bless all the families on earth through you. And um, I think that's just such a wonderful thing to think about. And so here's this fantastic promise, this massive promise. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. And so he sets out to this land that God is going to show him. And on his way out, um, he ends up um, in Egypt and amongst Pharaoh's people. And Abram's wife, Sarai, is very beautiful. And as they're arriving there, Abram says, just want you to do something for me, Sarai. I want you to just pretend to be my sister. Because I don't want Pharaoh to knock me off so that he can have you. Because he was afraid. So Pharaoh takes Sarai into his house and Abraham does his own thing. And some terrible things start happening in Pharaoh's house. He starts to be cursed. Why? Because God has promised that anyone who dishonors you, Abram, I'm going to be against them. I'm going to curse them. And so the Pharaoh um, twigs to this. Something is really wrong here. And he confronts Abram and he says, I don't think she's your sister, mate. You have not been honest with me. And so he sends him away. But this is a sign to Abram. What God has said to him is true. You are blessed. I'm looking after you. I'm going to make your name great and you're going to be a blessing. Anyone who's against you, I'm against them. Anyone who's for you, I'm for them. Chapter 13. Abraham and his, Abram and his nephew Lot have grown so wealthy because of the blessing of God that Abraham gets his nephew and says, look, our workers are fighting with each other because we've just gotten too big, too great. So you just have a look around, see where you want to go, and wherever you go, I'll go the other way. So Lot has a look around, and he's younger. Maybe because he's younger, he just takes the best for himself. And he takes this beautiful, green, fertile place that's near Sodom and Gomorrah. Maybe not such a wise choice after all. And Abram goes the other way. So God is blessing Abram. He's becoming great. God is standing up for him. And then God says to Abram as he goes off to his own place, Abram, I'm going to give you this land and your descendants will be as the dust of the earth. He reaffirms this beautiful promise to him. Then later on uh, in chapter 14, you've got this great king, the greatest king of Abraham's day, Kedorlaomer, And Kedorlaomer were all the other kings were subject to him because he was so powerful and they would pay duties to him. Anyway, there came a point when the kings, five of the kings, got sick of it and they said, we're not going to be subject to you anymore. So they banded together and they waged war against Kedorlaomer. Kedorlaomer had four, uh, three other kings with him and they had this great war and Kedorlaomer, well, he was the great powerful king of the day and he wins. And in the process, he, uh, the king of Sodom also gets captured and also Lot, Abram's nephew. Someone escapes, tells Abram, and so Abram 
takes 300 men. And what does he do? He goes and defeats this Kedolamor and his allies and rescues his um, nephew and brings them home again. I mean, this is crazy. This is insanity. This is, this is impossible. How on earth can Abram take 300 men and defeat the great superpower of his day? Except the fact that he has got this promise on his life. That God has said, if someone dishonours you, someone takes your nephew, they better look out. Someone dishonours you, then um, they are cursed. People who bless you, I'll bless. And I will make your name great and you'll become a great nation. On his way home, Melchizedek, the priest of God Most High, blesses him. Reaffirms God's blessing on him. Now it's after these things that Abram is afraid and doubting. Do you find that amazing? It's interesting, isn't it? It seems like we just have this propensity to continually need God to reaffirm to us his goodness, his promise, and that he's got us. And Abraham is no different. So I think there might be some encouragement for us, for those of us who, even after all the good that God has done for us, that we still wrestle at times with doubts. Do you feel encouraged to look at that this morning? So even after all these things, Abram says to the Lord, so Abram, uh, the Lord came to Abram in a vision, do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield, your very great reward. And instead of Abram going, I know, Lord, I know, I've seen it. It's so true. He doesn't say that. He says, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. How does the Lord respond to Abram, if I put my parent hat on, which is always on, or my teacher hat on, then this is what my response might be. Are you kidding? Are you kidding, Abram? Have you been listening? Have you had your eyes closed this whole time? Haven't I just defeated the greatest army on earth for your sake? Haven't I just humiliated Pharaoh for your sake? even though you're the one that was deceptive? Haven't I made your, your wealth so vast that you can't even live in the same area as, as your nephew Lot? Is this the Lord's response to Abram? It's actually not. Thank God he's not like me. And my children and my kids in my class would be more blessed if I was more like the Lord. And this is what happens. The word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And he said, so shall your offspring be. Don't you find this just a very tender picture of God? That Abraham is very honest and he just doesn't pretend, but he's just honest. 
He's respectful. He says, Sovereign Lord. But he's also just bears his heart and says, I'm childless. You haven't given me any children. And the Lord's response is not to rebuke, not to dress him down or to um, make him feel bad about himself. But the Lord just tenderly takes him outside and he says, have a look at those stars, Abram. That's how many your descendants will be. So I encourage you, as I am encouraged myself, that if there are issues in your heart where you are struggling to trust God, where you're struggling to believe his promises or to believe his heart towards you, or the fact that he's got this world in hand and the future in hand, then bring those to him. Don't pretend, but actually just bear your soul to God with deep respect because God is um, God. Is God. Sovereign Lord, but let's bring our respect for God and our honesty before God together in prayer. And he says, look at the stars. I find this really interesting. Last week, we took our little ones for a walk through Livingston State Forest. And um, as I was walking through amongst the trees, and we didn't see any kangaroos. We saw plenty of evidence of it, but we didn't. But as we're just um, surrounded by the forest, I just felt like I was being replenished. Because I'm like uh, many of us, surrounded by human-made things. Human screens, human walls, human buildings, human cars. And I think it's just so important for us to make sure that we are connecting with God by appreciating what he has made. And so Abram takes... God takes Abram out and he says, Abram, have a look at these stars. It's not just a maths lesson for Abram. It's not just, well, these is, this is the amount of stars and this is, what I'm, this is how many children you're going to have. Isn't that lovely? It's, he's looking at the stars and he's listening to the voice of God and he's looking at those stars and I wonder if he's thinking, wow, the one who is promising me this made those stars. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Romans 1.20 says, For Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. Let's be people who enjoy the greatness of our God by enjoying the greatness of what he has made. Let's not keep ourselves surrounded by what is synthetic, but let us worship God and absorb his greatness through his creation. And I think this is a good antidote for some of the doubts that can plague our hearts and our minds. So Abram's looking at the stars and he's listening to the voice of the Lord and he believes. Isn't that beautiful? That Abraham's doubting, he's afraid and God brings him to the point where he can settle the issue in his heart 
and he believes it. He just takes God's word for it. And God credits that to him as righteousness. And listen to what happens in the very next verse. He also said to him, that's the Lord, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, the word but there, start of verse 8, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? Once again, Abram doubts. Once again, my parent and my teacher hat comes on and I think, are you kidding me, Abram? You've come to this beautiful place of faith and you're doubting again. But isn't that like my heart? Perhaps maybe some of you, that we can come to these places where we experience such faith and assurance and we can kind of get knocked again and we can have doubts about over different issues. And what does the Lord do? As Abraham is honest with him, he doesn't rebuke him, doesn't take him to task, but he graciously shows him two signs. The Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. The birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. What's this all about? This is very strange, isn't it? When was the last time you did this in your backyard? I hope you haven't done this in your backyard. I know it's biblical. But in Christ, we no longer need to do these such things. But by way of explanation, in Jeremiah chapter 34, verse 18 and following... We have an example of this kind of covenant, this kind of arrangement. The Lord says to his people, this is many years down the track, those who have violated my covenant and have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before me, I will treat like the calf they cut in two and then walked between its pieces. The leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the court officials, the priests and all the people of the land who walked between the pieces of the calf I will deliver into the hands of their enemies who want to kill them. Their dead bodies will become food for the birds and the wild animals. This is an ancient practice. They would cut the animals in two, place the halves opposite each other, and they would make a covenant by walking through between the pieces and they would say, what I'm agreeing to here, if I break that agreement, may it be to me as these animals. It's a little bit like when you're in primary school and you said, cross my heart, hope to die, put 10,000 needles in my eye. I don't know if you ever said that. But it's a similar kind of thing. I really mean this. I really mean it. And if I break it, may something terrible happen. I mean, you've got to be serious if you're going to go to the trouble of cutting these animals in half. You've got this bloodied mess all around you of these slaughtered animals and you're saying... Um, I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And these people that Jeremiah were talking to, they'd performed this ceremony in order to persuade God that they really meant business and they'd just gone and continued to go their own way. So this is the kind of ceremony that, um, that the Lord and Abraham uh, are doing together. And there are two signs that come out of this ceremony. The first one, it says, as the sun was setting, verse 12... Abram fell into a deep sleep 
and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Every time I read that, I think, wow, here is the most blessed man on the earth at that time. God has chosen him specifically to be blessed and through whom to bless. And yet he's experiencing this deep and dreadful darkness coming over him as he's with the Lord. And I think that just doesn't, doesn't sound right to me. It doesn't seem, doesn't seem good to me that a person who is blessed by God can experience such dreadful darkness. But it's actually true that blessed people will suffer and will have to wait. What am I talking about waiting for? A thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Abraham's experiencing a sign of what's going to come upon God's blessed people. The Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Now Abraham's having, Abraham's having to wait for this promise to be fulfilled, isn't he? That's why he's kind of getting all anxious. It's been a while, Lord, since you promised me that I would have many descendants and I haven't even got a child yet. Do you know Abraham would have to wait 25 years from when God first promised in chapter 12 until Isaac was born. And with every year, they're getting older and it's becoming more and more unlikely, impossible, for the promise to be fulfilled. And yet the Lord is pleased for him to wait. And here he says, your descendants are also going to have to to wait 400 years before they get the land that I have promised. Not only are they going to be waiting, but they're going to be waiting and suffering. Does this sound right? Does this sound like blessing? This is what the Lord wants us to know. God's a good father, as we sang this morning. And God doesn't want his children to be bewildered. Can you imagine a child who's going through some kind of terrible um, experience and there's no one there to explain to them what's going on? Some of you, um, as I have, it's, an, it's awful when you're, when you're on your own as a child and something bad happens to you and there's no one to interpret it for you. It's very bewildering. The Lord can help us with that. And this is what he's doing for his people. He's saying to them, before the darkness comes, before the long years of waiting come, he's saying, I want you to expect this. I want you to know that it's going to happen. Don't be bewildered by it. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves and afterward they will come out with great possessions. It will be worth it. Do you remember in the Exodus that by the time they'd gone through the ten plagues, the Israelites just went to the Egyptians and said, hey, can we have all your stuff? And they just handed over all their stuff to the, to the Israelites. And the Israelites, without lifting a single finger in battle, walked out of Egypt, loaded, ready for their new life. The Lord has got a wonderful future for his people. There is a new heaven and a new earth for us, the home of righteousness. 
but we have to wait. And we can expect to suffer. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When Paul and Barnabas went on their missionary trips and they shared the gospel and the people had come to believe, churches sprang up and they went back in order to strengthen their faith. What did they say to them in order to strengthen their faith? We find it in Acts 14, verse 22. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith, this is what they said. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So this is an important part of the message that when difficulties, when darkness, and we heard, didn't we hear a story about some dreadful darkness that Nikki's been going through? Long and dark days. Does this mean God has withdrawn his blessing? That his presence is no longer there? That the future is somehow changed? That God has somehow changed? That his promises are somehow changed. No. God wants us to be prepared. When suffering comes, when difficulty comes, hang in there. God says he is unchanged. His promises are unchanged. There are times where we have to suffer and wait. And then this second sign. Don't you find this really interesting? When the sun had set and darkness had fallen... A smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. Did you like my pictures up there on the screen? It took me quite a while to do that. I hope you really appreciate it. <laughs> Someone with a bit more um, clever skills could do a better job than me. Let me just have a look. Oh, it doesn't look too bad. <laughs> the smoke, the, the smoke and the flaming torch. A smoking fire pot. The blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. The example in Jeremiah that I read to you, they set up the pieces, they set up the pieces like Abram, but they walked through and they said, May this happen to us if we don't do what you say, Lord. But that's not what happened here, is it? Abram was asleep. Who walked through? It was the presence of the Lord that walked through between the pieces. With smoke and with fire. Why smoke and fire? What it reminds me of is when God came to these poor, wretched suffering oppressed people who'd been in Egypt for 400 years he came to them um, through Moses and he said I've heard your cry the time has come I'm setting you free and when Moses first went to them they worshipped God and they were so excited and thankful and then Moses went to Pharaoh and he said to Pharaoh he and Aaron You must let God's people go. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? 
No, these people are lazy. That's why you're talking about leaving. And so he says, you can keep making your bricks. Thank you very much. Not only can you keep making your bricks, but you can get your own straw and you've got to produce the same number of bricks. And, and so when the slave masters informed the people of this, they were shattered. They were already at the end of their rope. And this just sent them over. And so when, the, when Moses says to the Lord, Lord, you haven't helped these people at all. Things have gotten worse for them. And the Lord says, and the Lord just says, I'm going to do this. Watch and see. Pharaoh's going to harden his heart, but I'm going to deliver my people. I'm going to bring them out. And so he thought, oh, that's great. Moses obviously had doubts, but the Lord reaffirmed his promise and he went to speak to the people. And do you know what the people, how the people responded? They didn't even listen. They were so crushed because of their slavery that they wouldn't even listen. So what does the Lord respond to the doubts, even the dismissals of his people? Does he say, oh, okay, if that's how it's going to be, see you later. I'll find another people who might be a little bit more grateful. I'll find another group of people who might actually believe what I'm telling them. Is that what the Lord does? The Lord's purpose and promise that he gave all the way back to Abraham was not changed one bit by the doubts of his people. And when the time came, through the ten plagues and finally the plague of the firstborn, and and Pharaoh says, get out. And out they go. God leads his people out with a pillar of fire by day and a pillar of cloud, sorry, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He's leading them out. This is... This is how I interpret this sign. The fire, the flame and the smoke. God is saying, I'm going to bring my people out. I'm going to bring them out. And I think it's just so encouraging for me that through all of my doubts, God's purpose, God's faithfulness, God's character are unchanged. He is going to build his church. He is going to win his bride. He is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And as we hold on to him, we can be part of that. Amen? Let's pray. I want to thank you, Lord, that that the brutality and blood of these sacrifices did not come upon us. They came upon your son. That the curse of our sin did not come upon us, but it came upon your son. That through all of our doubts and all of our sin, Lord, you did not change your plan, your plan to save us. You sent your son. Father, we are frail, we're weak in ourselves and we have our doubts. Would you please help us, Lord, to look at your sign, the sign of your cross, that you really do love us, that you are determined to save us and that our future is so good as we look to you. Help us as we go through our dark times, Lord, 
to find encouragement in your word. And we pray this for ourselves and each other in Jesus' name. Amen.